Mendy here from the Triple Play Fantasy Football Show. And if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Ladies and gentlemen, we welcome in a man who can truly be seen as a dual threat, whether on the football field running guys over for TDs or as a financial advisor helping people with their money problems. This guy knows how to get the job done. The former number two overall pick, a pro bowler who played 11 years in the NFL, accumulating almost 5,400 rushing yards at an insane 4.2 yards per carry clip, and just because he felt like it, added 246 catches for almost 2,000 yards. Played his college ball at the Auburn University, where he starred and led his team to a 13-0 2004 season. You love him. We're talking to Mr. Wildcat himself, Mr. Ronnie Brown. How's it going, man? Good, man. Good, man. Just trying to stay away from this COVID and make sure I don't get it and the kids don't get it and the wife don't get it. So just trying to create a new norm and stay busy. Love it, man. And speaking of busy, I know uh, recently you got uh, accoladed with the being in the Alabama Sports Hall of Fame. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. They letting the old guy in. You know, <laughs> hair's turning great. So you start getting awards, that means you're getting old. Yeah, man. I mean, you. I mean, your play spoke for itself, man. So it's not surprising. And Alabama is such a football-rich area, so it's just a testament to how hard you worked and the dedication to your craft. Yeah, I was blessed. Um, you know, I worked really hard, but you know, I was fortunate enough to surround myself around a lot of good people who really provided a lot of good support and put me in good situations. And so, um, you know, I think with that, you know, I think everyone says success is when. Uh, preparation meets opportunity and you know I definitely got an opportunity from a lot of people and had a lot of support so it worked out right and so I want to start us off here I want to take you back to the young Ronnie Brown days the when you attended Cartersville High School in Georgia home of the Purple Hurricanes and so I saw it's a pretty small town actually I saw Wayne Knight from Seinfeld grew up there as well and uh, <laughs> we got people man we got Wayne Knight we got Trevor Lawrence we got me. Trevor Lawrence yeah, um, we got uh, Anthony Siegler, who was drafted to the Yankees a couple years ago, first round. We we oh, got wow. some people from Cartersville, man. Wow. Don't, don't be sleeping on C Vegas. We all right. I We're in the water over there. Yeah, man. Chloe Moretz is from Cartersville, Georgia. Um, she's an actress, so we got people. Wow. All right. Well, I definitely I slept on them. Won't again. You rushed in your uh, when your time there. You rushed for almost five thousand yards, and in your senior year alone, had nineteen hundred thirty-one yards and twenty-five touchdowns. So, uh, not only did you have that, but you had three picks on defense, and you got drafted by the Seattle Mariners. But I mean, Ronnie, come on, twenty-five TDs. Why'd you have to do the other teams dirty like that? Hey, man, we we actually ran a wing T, so I didn't even touch the ball that much. I played fullback, um, but you know, it, it was that. Then again, <laughs> opportunity man i was around some good football players um you know in georgia in the south in particular but in georgia you know we take football pretty serious and you know i grew up in a football town friday nights where you know that was the thing to do and 
you know, had a lot of good support. We had a good football team. We actually went undefeated my senior year in high school as well. So, um, you know, it's just a test that, I mean, I've, I've been lucky. I've been fortunate enough to be around a lot of good people. Well, speaking of good people, you were named the top running back in Georgia by Super Prep your senior year. And what we said went on to play at Auburn from 2000-2004 under the legendary coach Tommy Tuberville. You and Cadillac in that backfield, speaking of good teammates, woof. And then we also have friend of the pod, Jason Campbell, on here at the helm. You guys really put it together and uh, culminated in a nice 2004 undefeated season. So can you talk about that season and what it was like in the locker room, on the field with that group of guys? Yeah, man, I think that that was probably my one of my most favorite, my high school career, obviously, because most of those guys were, you know, um, everyone from the community. But college was a little different. You meet guys from different places um, and to share those experiences. Jason and I, we were roommates. He's my, you know, God, my son's godfather. So, you know, he and I were pretty, still pretty close. We actually spoke earlier today. Um, then Cadillac, the guy who came in, got a lot of respect for one another was actually in my wedding, um, you know, and he and I communicate a few times a week, uh, even to this day. Um, and so it was more so about the relationships that we built. Um, as a football team, I think that's the closest group that I've ever been around, um, just in terms of what we did um, on the field, but also off the field. We hung out, like, we were always together. When we went out, you know, to parties, the, the football team, we were together. Um, you know, we did Bible studies the night before the games. Um, Pretty much, I want to say 100%, if not 100%, 99, 98% of the guys were in there um, in those meetings. Um, and we were just talking about life. Like, so we really grew together as a group, um, you know, and it was talking about, you know, not just football, not just, you know, what was going on, but what was going on back home, you know, what we could pray for guys for, what guys were struggling with, some of the things. And so that's what really made that team special. Um, so it wasn't a surprise because every time we touched the field, we always felt like we had a great opportunity to be successful. And, you know, that year we had a close game with LSU, but we were really chomping at the bit because we wanted the opportunity to play USC again in the national championship because we had previously played them, you know, a couple seasons before. And we just really weren't prepared. And this time I think we really felt like we were. Um, but it was more so not just because of the talent. It was just the guys in that locker room, I can say we 100% believed in each other. No doubt. I mean, 13-0 speaks for itself. I can tell just from what you're saying and, I mean, the results, 13-0, man. Um, and it's interesting because looking up at your college games, you only started 21 of the 47 games in your college career, but you still finished 7th in school history in rushing yards and 5th in touchdowns. And we see one of the things I've kind of noticed is we see a lot of teams in the NFL using multiple backs. Sometimes in college, teams – are starting to shy away from guys that had bigger workloads and it's affecting their draft value. Do you think that splitting carries with Cadillac during your time there helped you stay in the NFL for over a decade and kind of saved your body a little bit? Um, I think it helped, um, and probably in a different way than that. It forced me outside of my comfort zone and made me grow as a player because when you share the backfield with somebody as talented, you have to evolve as a player or you're going to be on the bench. And so – that really prepared me because I had to focus on different parts of my game when it came to, you know, blocking third down stuff, being able to catch out of the backfield. Um, and, and it just applies to life. Like the more you can do as a, as an individual, you make yourself an asset to an organization. It's hard for them to get rid of you. And so I've always prided myself on being able to do multiple things. And, you know, at the same time, really just focusing on that and how can I always figure out how to improve. And so, 
that aided me in that process because when you share the backfield, you know, with guys my freshman year, I shared the backfield with Rudy Johnson, who led the SEC in rushing that year, went on, was drafted by Cincinnati. And then you got a Cadillac coming in. We shared backfield with Brandon Jacobs. Um, we had Trey Smith, who was the 6A player of the year, smaller guy, but, you know, really talented. So when you around guys like that, you have no option but to get better if you want to play. And so, you know, I think that was beneficial for me because I had to figure out how to adjust and how to improve my game. Right. And speaking of Cadillac, so in the in 2005 draft, you went number two. He went number five. So two, I think there was even three running backs in the top Cedric five. Cedric Benson, number four. Yeah. Yeah. yeah R.I.P. How did it feel your teammate going in the top five? And was there any smack talk going on because you got picked higher than him? Nah, man, we were excited. Um, and the crazy thing is when I got drafted, I was in New York. So by the time I got to Miami, I hadn't seen it. But there was four of my teammates that year we were drafted in the first round. I went second. Um, Car- Carnell went, Cadillac went fifth. Carlos Rogers went ninth. Jason Campbell went 25th. So, um, you know, that was pretty cool. Our whole backfield was drafted in the first round that year. And so, you know, for that to happen, that was that was pretty cool experience and being able to share that you know, with those guys and call and be like, man, like we, we, you know, we were able to do something special, but then even beyond that, you know, for the four of us to be drafted in the first round and we had other guys that were drafted, um, you know, Jay Ratliff was drafted, who went on to have a tremendous career with Dallas Cowboys as a nose tackle um, who came in as a tight end. So um, we had a few guys that, that played on that team that were really special. Marcus McNeil was a great left tackle who blocked for Ladanian Tomlinson for a long time. So there was talent uh, a lot of places um, on that football team. But that for that year, you know, for our back to field to be drafted in the first round, um, that was pretty special. So, so Ronnie, I'm curious. So Auburn obviously ended up being like a perfect place for you, just how your career turned out. But, you know, we look at some of your, your younger career and you were a top pro- prospect in baseball. And, you know, you, you originally committed to Tennessee, I believe. Like, so what what led you to the, the decisions to get to Auburn and how did that unfold? It seems like you had so many people tugging on you. Yeah, for me, man, baseball was my favorite sport growing up. Um, but just given the nature of it, even now, like I got a group of guys and we're talking about putting something together, um, you know, to, to create more diversity in baseball. But the challenge is it's hard to play baseball because it's not like playing basketball. You can just go outside. You can play one on one or, you know, you play with a nah. team. You know, you just pick up a ball. Um, football, the same thing. You play, throw it up, get tag Like, everybody, you can play the games, whereas baseball, you need nine people or, you know, going to pretty much have ghost runners or you to play the way we play. <laughs> um, right, right. But it gets expensive as you get older. You know, when you talk about, you know, these different showcases, you talk about these traveling teams, it's really becoming a year-round thing. Um, and so, really, to be able to participate in that, you have to have – the financial support to be able to travel and go to Omaha or go down to Florida and participate in some of these things. So, you know, that kind of shied me away from the baseball thing because I just didn't think I participated enough. Um, I really enjoyed it um, and I prided myself on being good at it. Um, But then on the football side, the opportunities start to present themselves. Like my first, you know, real big scholarship was to Georgia Tech because we ran the wing T in high school. Obviously, everybody knows what Georgia Tech used to do. So that was you know, there was some intrigue there, but being a small town kid, I just wasn't, I didn't want any of the big city, um, you know, and I just didn't think that was going to be a good fit for me. Um, and so, you know, as I started to look and looking at competition, I thought the SEC was, you know, that top level um, 
uh, of of competition, but at the same time, it was in close proximity of where I grew up. So when I looked mm-hmm. at my top three schools, I narrowed it down to Auburn, Georgia, and Tennessee um, because they were all pretty much within the same driving distance. And it was important for me to have my family to be able to come support. And so just in looking at that, you know, Georgia was kind of, I think they kind of took it for granted. They were like, yeah, he's an in-state kid. Didn't really recruit me hard. But by that time, you know, Auburn and Tennessee were showing up on a weekly basis. And then as we got in the playoffs in high school, Georgia started to show more interest. But by that time, you know, I'm like, yeah, whatever. Like, it wasn't important then. So, you know, now it's... You just want me because I'm hot now. Right. So, you know, so I narrowed down to Tennessee, went up there. Um, Jamal Lewis was the starting running back, and then they had wow. was the backup. And so I'm like, man, you know, in that system, I'm like, being able to touch the ball, like, that's going to be important. And so I actually committed to Tennessee. Um, and then something told me, like, man, I took one official visit that year because I was playing, you know, baseball in the summer and doing tryouts. Something told me just to take an official visit. Took a visit to Auburn. It was small. I felt comfortable as soon as I got on campus. Um, and it just felt like a natural fit. And so I ended up, you know, and the part of it was, too, that, you know, Tubbs told me I went to the, the baseball complex before I even went to the football complex. So I told <laughs> I was going to have an opportunity there, uh, which it didn't end up, you know, happening that way. But, you know, I think that was enticing as well. And, you know, it ended up working out. Yeah, I mean, you made the right choice, man. Number two overall pick in the draft. And it's interesting because when you did get drafted, you shared a backfield with another talented back, the the man himself, Ricky Williams. And still in your first year, you still had over a thousand yards from scrimmage and five touchdowns sharing it with him. But then, you know, next year, unfortunately, he's suspended and you finally get the whole thing to yourself. And you balled out, especially considering many consider the overall offensive line and, and offense not great, but you were still able to make it work. Was it nice to finally kind of have the full load to yourself after years of sharing the backfield with people? Yeah, man, it was it was interesting. Um, you know, and that's the one thing when you look back, when you share the backfield with such talented guys, um, obviously there's only one football, so it can only go, you know, you only get so many touches. And so it's something about that Williams name. I mean, Cadillac Williams in college, <laughs> you know, in the pros, um, you know, and both of those guys became really close friends. Both of them were in my wedding. Oh, no, and I pride myself on relationship and respecting people. Um, so that was a big part of it. Um, there was a lot of respect there. I watched Ricky a lot when I was in college. So um, to be able to soak up that knowledge from him. But, you know, part of it in the back of your mind is like, man, if I had an opportunity by myself, what would it look like? And so that season, you know, I was able to do that. But like you said, you know, a lot of guys ask for, I mean, I want to be drafted early. Um, you know, and I think that's the that's the thing. But at the same time, you have to caution guys. You have to be careful what you ask for because, Two, when you do tend to get drafted fairly early, that pretty much means your team wasn't that good the previous mm-hmm. year. And so <laughs> there's a lot of responsibility. And, you know, as a running back, you can only control so much. And so, I mean, in my time with Miami, I was there for, what, six years? And I think I played with 12 or 13 different quarterbacks. Um, you know, and so that that's a challenge in itself. And then I ended up being a quarterback for you. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, you know where we're going next. Quarterback for, forever. Um, I never played on any level. Like, besides Pee Wee, I'd get the ball snapped to me and just run a sweep. But outside of that, I'd never played quarterback. And so, um, you know, it was exciting. And, and in the back of your mind, like, well, what would it have looked like? But then again, you know, who knows? And so I just appreciate the opportunity and experience. Ronnie, do you know your passing stats career-wise for the NFL? I don't. I've never looked at them really. I, 
I don't you're, really know <laughs> that's at all for real. You're you're you were four of twelve with sixty three yard for sixty three yards, two touchdowns, and no interceptions. So uh you've never thrown an interception in your NFL career. <laughs> hey, like Lamar Jackson said. Not bad for a running back. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of that, that year, man, you kind of you were on pace to, uh, you know, you were gonna lead the yards from, uh, sorry, lead the league in yards from scrimmage with over twenty two hundred. Then unfortunately hurt your knee, but then came back the next year, and you're definitely the first player I remember ever being featured in the Wildcat. You were the Mister Wildcat. You were he's, the guy. He's the Godfather. He is. He is the man for the Wildcat. So. When they pitched that to you, what were your thoughts and what was the experience like running it? Man, it was cool, man. But, you know, the funny thing is, like, in our room, in our running back room, we really were excited about it because it was an opportunity for three or four of us to get on the field at the same time. And so when I go into, like, when I speak to guys now, like, when I tell them, you know, when you play running back, it takes a different mentality because, you know, one, the ball draws a crowd and you never know where that first hit's going to come from. Um, and so you have to have a different mentality. and in our room, we took pride in that, um, you know, and, and for us to all get on the field at the same time, really just on that level showed the kind of level of commitment that we had as a as a group and as a and, and as a unit. And so we took pride in that. And that was a pretty cool experience. But when we were talking about putting it in. Um, obviously, Coach David Lee, who was at Arkansas, you know, with those guys and Felix Jones and Darren McFadden and, you know, Peyton Hillis. And so. He was familiar with it. So when he asked at, at Miami, I'm like, man, I'll do it. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and then again, like just being honest, like Ricky had where he had he can make that hard left or right turn. I'm like, man, I'm a little bit bigger. Like I'm too. We were about the same size. But, you know, that just wasn't my thing. I like to get downhill. I like to see everything. And so it just ended up working out and it was a good opportunity. And I enjoyed doing it, um, you know, for a while. It, it caught up with us. We ran into the Ravens that year in the playoffs and they were our buzz kill. They, you know, pretty much mowed us down. They had, tra- uh, you know, they had shifted everyone and they just pretty much blitzed at every period. I mean, everything. And I'm like, coach, we need to throw the ball. Let me throw. Something. <laughs> like this is what I really need to throw. So that's when I was asking to throw, but um, man, it was a cool experience. So I remember the first game that I really was introduced to the wildcat. It was 2008 week three. You guys played the Patriots you had five total touchdowns, four rushing and one passing. That ended the Patriots' 21-game regular season winning streak, which at the time was the record. How did it feel single-handedly destroying your rivals and arguably one of the best teams ever? You know what? I mean, I appreciate it, but it definitely wasn't single-handed. Um, you know, that was a group effort. You know, you put a running back back there in the backfield taking the snap. Um, nine times out of 10, you know, what's going to happen. The guy's going to run the ball. You know, you may have speed sweep and you throw a little touch pad, the halfback pass, but nine times out of 10, everyone knows what's going to happen in the stadium. And so, you know, those big uglies up front really took care of the business that day. Um, you know, and, and collectively as a group, we surprised them, but you know, for them not even to be able to make the adjustments because we went into halftime, I'm like, well, it's Belichick. It's only a matter of time. So they make the adjustments and then, you know, we have to kind of see what happens. But, you know, those guys did a really good job. And, you know, we were able to execute. And even throughout the season, I think we set the bar too high because everyone expected the same results every time we, we did the formation. And so um, <laughs> it became a challenge. But it was fun. It was fun. Though. It was a lot of fun. So, Ronnie, I'm curious. So you get drafted number two overall. 
And a lot of consensus is that maybe you're, you know, a second-round guy, third-round guy. But, you know, Dolphins see the light, they draft you. You become an instant millionaire. Like, how do you, how do you handle that success? How do you handle that, that responsibility, people tugging on you? And let me hear your craziest purchase. Um, <laughs> you know, the cra- I mean, that's the toughest part is, you know, I tell people now, this, the hat that I wear now, it's not about financial management. It's really about self-awareness and, you know, lifestyle management. And, and yes. if you, then you can, you know, really stay humble and stay who you are at the core. Um, you know, that's the most difficult part because people want to put you in a, in a bowl or put you in the, on a pedestal and tell you what you should have, what you should be doing in this situation. And just honestly, it's new to so many guys never being around and having that experience. That's the toughest part is to realize and understand and being able to put that what you do in a place. to That's just what it is. Like, this is what I do, but this isn't necessarily who I am. And so mm-hmm. your identity can't become I'm just a football player. Um, and so the mental part of it, it is tough. And but outside of that, man, you you really just got to try to connect with, you know, people in your circle. And that's a reason, you know, as we navigate through life, whatever you're doing, you got to have a close circle because, you know, in all honesty, you're most like the five people that you hang around. And so mm-hmm. if you really want to see what your future look like. You look at the five people that's closest to you. And I've you never get, heard that before. So you get a true understanding of, all right, I know what this thing may look like. Um, and so, you know, I think that's a big part of it. And, you know, um, financially for me, I was just scared to make too many mistakes. I'm a small town kid. I went to Auburn. Auburn, Alabama is a small place. And then I go into Miami, which is a different world. Like that's, <laughs> that's a whole different country, really. You know, right, and right. something to do, always somewhere to go. And always somebody pulling at you, um, if you get what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> and so it's easy to get caught up. And so, you know, I was just afraid to make too many mistakes. And so I tried to watch some of the guys that I emulated. Um, you know, Jason Taylor, Zach Thomas is the guys that I saw were doing it at a high level and were responsible with it. And so I really just tried to watch them from afar. And I wish I had to ask more questions, but I just that was just the way that I did things. I just like to watch people. Um, and just kind of see what they're doing. And, you know, I think the greatest form of flattery is imitation. And so I just kind of try to follow what they were doing, um, you know, to some degree from a responsibility perspective. So you guys have a cautious mindset. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, John. I was just going to say, as a financial advisor, we're starting to get into that a little bit. Do you have a hot stock tip for us just between the three of us and then maybe our (laughs) listeners? So, so that means you're gonna bail me out when I do it. <laughs> we'll, we'll put all the disclaimers. You know, past performance is not you know indicative of future <laughs> returns. Um, man, and it's that's the thing with unless you're Warren Buffett, it isn't made for you to become instant millionaire unless you just get lucky and pick something that nobody thinks is gonna happen, like you do an Uber or something. But I mean, it's all about self-awareness. Like, that's just life. Like, people talk about getting rich. The only way to get rich is, you know, establish some positive and good habits to get you where you want to go. And obviously, you got to have some income. But it's just that self-discipline of knowing if I set a budget and I'm able to stay within my budget and not get caught up in what's going on around me, then I got an opportunity to be successful. And that's with, with finances. That's with life. That's with a lot of things. And if you can eliminate distractions, then there's the opportunity to be successful. And so people make it harder than it is, but it's really not. It's, I mean, it's, it's just self-discipline and self-awareness. And 
if you're able to overcome yourself and make those discipline decisions, then the likelihood of you becoming successful is is easy. But, you know, if you can't because of all the distractions, you know, it becomes difficult in whatever you're doing. And so the more you're caught up in the distractions, the less it, the less ability it is for you to be able to focus on what the ultimate goal is. We're talking with Ronnie Brown, former number two overall pick and Pro Bowl running back. Ronnie, we like to conclude our interviews with a little bit of a rapid fire if you're up for it. All right, let's go. So these questions, disclaimer, are some of them you may not have heard before. So if you don't feel comfortable answering them, you don't have to. But I'll start off with number one. Score a touchdown or give someone touchdown-like financial advice? Give someone touchdown advice. Love it. <laughs> Coke or Pepsi? Coke. All right. The Miami Dolphins teal or orange jerseys? Orange. All right. Good good choice. <laughs> Would you rather sleep in the closet at your friend's house or sleep on the bed at your boss's house? My friends. I got to be around my friends all the time. <laughs> all right. Have a one-minute conversation with your past self or your future self? probably my future self okay be a cat with a human face or a dog with human hands for paws <laughs> a dog with human hands <laughs> i got a few more for you fulfill your biggest wish or resolve your biggest regret fulfill my biggest wish all right clog the toilet on you on your wife's first date the, the first date you had with her <laughs> or in the locker room <laughs> with my wife like if she's my wife that means she stuck around no no but i mean if you get the first date early on would she have stuck around if you did it the first date butterfly effect man she wasn't meant to be right would they True let her run the wildcat if you clogged the toilet in the locker room <laughs> True that's that. an occurrence in the locker room <laughs> all right would you rather fight a hundred duck-sized horses or one horse-sized duck one horse-sized duck you think you could take him? Yeah, he's a duck. And <laughs> he's still a duck. So a horse has a different mentality than a duck. It's all about mentality and heart, whatever you do. I, I could tell, man. You that got, is I'm, a great answer. Yeah. All right, last one. Sneeze every time you say the word who or have the urge to pee every time you say when? Sneeze. <laughs> you can someone to sneeze. That is bad. <laughs> That P might pop up anywhere. You can't go. <laughs> hey, that's a good point. Hey, Ronnie, it was a pleasure having you on the show. We want to thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Appreciate it, fellas. If you hey. want to make sure you see more of Ronnie, he's at Ronnie23Brown on Twitter and Instagram. And if you're looking for a man that provides touchdown-level financial advice, look no further because he's your guy.